Welcome to the Arborist News audio podcast, brought to you by the International Society of Arboriculture. This audio version of the Arborist News CEU article is voiced by Paul Johnson, Urban Forestry Program Coordinator with Texas A&M Forest Service. This month's article is Preserving Trees During Construction by E. Thomas Smiley and Kelby Fight. Objectives. Identify the steps necessary for preserving trees during construction. Describe the process for assessing trees suitable for retention on a construction site. List the components an arborist should discuss with the project team to protect trees on a construction site. Define the components of an effective tree and soil protection zone. Construction projects can be divided into five phases. Planning, design, pre-construction, construction, construction, and post-construction. The fate of trees on the site can be affected during all of these phases. The highest levels of success are usually achieved when arborists are brought in early in the development process to share their expertise and are consulted during all phases of the project. This article will focus on the planning and design phases of managing trees during construction. Planning phase. During the planning phase, the building or engineering needs, topography, soils, and trees are all defined and evaluated. The involvement of an arborist at this stage ensures the most suitable trees are retained and dramatically increases the chances of long-term tree preservation success. During this phase, the architect, engineer, landscape architect, and developer will decide what size and type of structure is needed and how it should be placed on the site. Ideally, the project planners will employ an arborist to conduct a tree resource evaluation. The information the arborist collects during the planning meetings and evaluation should be used in the design phase to locate the building or infrastructure where the least impact on trees will occur and the most desirable trees will be preserved. The scope of the arborist tree resource evaluation should be defined by the needs of the developer or owner as well as any pertinent ordinances. In most cases, the tree resource evaluation is a tree inventory. Individual trees, or on larger projects, groups, or stands of trees are located on the site plan or map, species are identified, size is measured, and their condition and level of risk assessed. The location of trees on adjacent properties that may be impacted by construction should also be considered. The client should be notified if conditions are observed that require action beyond resource evaluation's original scope, e.g. high or extreme risk trees. Tree Assessment Species characteristics play a critical role in determining a tree's suitability for preservation, and these characteristics should be noted in the resource evaluation report. The ability of trees to tolerate construction-related damage varies greatly by species. Species desirability from an aesthetic perspective is a subjective rating that should be determined with input from the client or owner. Some species have characteristics that make them less desirable, e.g. thorns, excessive litter, unpleasant fruit or flower odor, short lifespan, invasiveness, nuisance pest problems, twig shedding, or weak wood. Young, medium age, and mature trees may be better candidates for preservation than overmature trees. Developers and owners sometimes choose to retain one or more trees that possess undesirable characteristics, so the arborist should discuss those attributes with the client and prescribe the best options for the situation. Healthy trees are more desirable for preservation than unhealthy specimens because unhealthy trees may not have the capacity to endure stresses associated with construction and are also less likely to regain health after the project. Assessing tree health includes evaluation of crown density, foliage color, and size, annual shoot growth, disease infections, insect infestations, the presence of injuries, and dieback symptoms. Pests that will affect long-term survival, e.g. vascular wilt diseases, root rot fungi, and insect borers should not be overlooked during the evaluation. Risks should also be assessed for trees that are or will be near significant targets, 
e.g. people, property, or activities that could be injured, damaged, or disrupted by a tree failure. The likelihood of impact and consequence factors may need to be assessed three ways, with the current targets, with targets present during construction activities, and with targets that will be present after construction. CISA's Best Management Practices Tree Risk Assessment Risk mitigation prior to construction is usually more cost-effective than after construction for trees that have or will have an unacceptable level of risk. In addition to tree factors, the soil should be considered when making tree conservation decisions. Soil structure, texture, and organic matter levels should be considered. Coarse-textured soil, sandy or gravelly, will be more resistant to compaction, so a tree growing in these soils will likely suffer less from traffic over the root system. Soil that is more susceptible to compaction, wet, clayey soils, low in organic matter, may require a greater level of protection. All of these factors should be evaluated before selecting trees targeted for conservation efforts. Design Phase During the design phase, decisions about the location, size, and shape of the building and other infrastructure are documented on a site plan. Using the information provided on the site plan and the information collected in the tree resource evaluation, the arborist should provide recommendations for which tree should be retained, removed, transplanted, or protected. If an inventory was not completed in the planning phase, it should be conducted during this phase. In addition, if the inventory was limited to basic tree information, i.e. species, size, location, health, risk, in the planning phase, the trees that will be retained may need to be assessed more closely to define the size of tree protection zones and or determine work that will need to be completed prior to construction. Surveyors and arborists may use global positioning systems in conjunction with geographic information systems to locate and map tree locations. CISA's Best Management Practices Tree Inventories Arborist recommendations are usually presented on a plan containing a map of the tree locations and locations of tree preservation zones. Arborists may also provide a written report or tree conservation plan. The plan should specify which trees are most suitable for preservation and which trees should be removed due to expected damage caused by construction of the building, infrastructure, and other on-site activities. If the arborist sees where changes to the plan can increase the number or quality of trees that can be preserved, this is the time to recommend those changes. In addition, the arborist should work with the design team to consider and make recommendations for trees worthy of transplanting and possible relocation sites, construction area access, including entry and exit, parking for construction and personal vehicles, space for operation and maintenance of construction equipment, utility and drainage corridors, including stormwater management systems, gas, electric, cable, and water lines, grade changes and excavations, storage of soil, above-ground vertical space for aerial equipment activity, space for temporary construction buildings, e.g. office, tool, and supply storage, restricting access to undisturbed areas of the future landscape, material staging and storage, fueling and mixing area, keep slope in mind in case of spill, washout areas for concrete trucks, debris piles or burn pits, sediment control, silt barriers. Retaining groups of trees. It is often preferable to retain groups of trees rather than individual trees due to shared root space and a less exposed perimeter. Retaining a mix of ages, species, and ground cover plantings within a stand will promote a sustainable landscape. When retaining groups of trees, it may be desirable to remove trees with low live crown ratios, suppressed or partially suppressed crowns, codominant trunks, and those with structural defects. On larger sites, a tree buffer composed of less valuable smaller trees along the woodland edge will aid in the protection of the more important interior trees. 
If this buffer is made up of small trees, they can easily be removed after construction activities but prior to landscaping. Tree Conservation Plan One way to communicate tree preservation information is with a comprehensive tree conservation plan. This plan should be designed to encompass all site work before site preparation and demolition, during construction and site servicing, and after tree fence removal and final landscaping development. It can be presented as part of the site development plan and should document the following. Comprehensive tree protection plans including important instructions, recommendations, prohibitions, and follow-up care. A list of trees to be retained and their locations. Trees to be transplanted. Tree protection zone, TPZ, barrier specifications. Soil compaction controls for use within tree protection areas when entry is required. Any site development activities, including grading, landscaping, and demolition, should be considered when developing specifications. The tree conservation plan should describe the methodology used to assess risk associated with existing trees. The document should describe consequences for noncompliance and identify mitigation measures when appropriate. Defining the tree protection zone. A TPZ is an arborist-defined area surrounding the trunk intended to protect roots and soil within the critical root zone and beyond to ensure future tree health and stability. There are many methods for determining the size of a TPZ. The drip line method uses the tree canopy's drip line to define the boundary of the TPZ, where the entire area within the drip line is considered the TPZ. Excurrent trees, those with small suppressed or asymmetrical crowns or leaning trunks, and trees with irregular rooting areas due to infrastructure or geological factors introduce complexity in determining the TPZ because the drip line of the canopy may not incorporate an adequate amount of the root zone for successful preservation. In these and other situations, the TPZ can be calculated from the trunk diameter. The trunk diameter method is based on diameter measured at breast height, DBH, 4.5 feet, 1.4 meters above the ground. This measurement is multiplied by a factor of 6 to 18 to determine the radius of the TPZ. The unit of measure used to calculate the DBH, typically inches or centimeters, will be the same unit as the radius of the TPZ. Even when the TPZ is placed at the drip line or at the location defined by the trunk diameter method, large portions of the root system may be lost. The arborist needs to inspect the tree and site and alter the TPZ as needed to provide adequate tree protection. Trees on adjacent properties may also need to have TPZs established if they are close to construction activities. Reducing the size of the TPZ on one or more sides of the tree may be necessary if planned infrastructure cannot be located outside the TPZ. In these cases, increasing the TPZ on the opposite side of the tree may be beneficial in some circumstances. As part of the bidding process, all potential contractors should be made aware of the importance of the tree protection program and the penalties that will be assessed for unauthorized root cutting, soil compaction, branch removal, or other damaging activity within a TPZ. Bonding may be required. Prior to beginning any site work, Hosting an educational session for the construction workers can raise the awareness about the reasons to avoid damage to the soil and trees. TPZ fencing. TPZ barriers should be erected around the zone's perimeter before any site work begins. Fencing should be sturdy and highly visible to discourage entry into and disturbance of the area. Plastic construction fence is easily moved or destroyed by construction activities and therefore is not recommended unless it is hung from a heavy wire attached between sturdy posts. A better method, often specified by municipalities, is the installation of chain-link, wire mesh, or wooden fence. Ideally, the fence should be 4 to 6 feet, 1.2 to 1.8 meters tall, and solidly anchored into the ground. Soil and root protection within the TPZ. 
If foot or vehicular traffic or construction activities cannot be kept outside of the TPZ for the entire duration of construction, actions can be taken to disperse the load, minimizing soil compaction and mechanical root damage. These actions include applying 6 to 12 inches, 15 to 30 centimeters of wood chip mulch to the area, laying 3 quarter inch, 2 centimeter minimum thickness plywood, beams, commercial logging, or road mats over a 4 inch plus 10 plus centimeter layer of wood chip mulch. Applying 4 to 6 inches, 10 to 15 centimeters of gravel over a taut, staked geotextile fabric. Stone geotextile and mulch exceeding 4 inches thick must be removed from the TPZ once the threat of soil or root damage is passed. Any removal of vegetation or spreading of mulch materials within the TPZ should be performed manually and all efforts should be made to protect the soil. Summary Construction or renovation of homes, businesses, or infrastructure will always be associated with growth and development. Many construction sites contain trees that are worthy of preservation. To retain trees that will provide the greatest benefits to the residents and the community, an arborist should be involved in the project from beginning to end. For more information about the construction and post-construction phase of preserving trees during construction, check out ISA's Best Management Practices Managing Trees During Construction. Thank you for listening to this month's Arborist News audio podcast. An online quiz worth one CEU is available now to current ISA members. Visit the ISA web store and search for online quizzes for the most recent CEU opportunities. This quiz will become available to non-members in October 2017. Arborist News is ISA's bi-monthly serial publication that provides readers with the latest in arboricultural news and education. This magazine is an ISA member benefit and offers opportunities for ISA credential holders to earn CEUs. Become a member today to start receiving Arborist News in your mailbox or your inbox. That concludes this episode. Please check back for the next Arborist News audio.